Welcome back to the Travel Brand Podcast. I am Uwinton. I hope everybody's well out there in podcast land. Hope everybody's doing fantastico. I'm not doing too bad. I'm still working up in Seattle. You know, that's where they put law number five into effect. And, you know, that's where the Indians couldn't be in the city after dark. Yeah. Imagine that. You could go into the town, the city of Seattle, and work for the whites, do their laundry, cut their wood, milk the cow, even look after their children, or what have you, be some sort of a servant. But as soon as it began to get dark, uh, yeah, you're going to have to get outside the city limits, and uh, we'll see you in the morning. Thank you. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being at work one day? I know I've talked about this before, but it still bothers me. It's still under my skin a little. I'm still trying to learn about it and try to process it and wrap my brain around this thing of the whole thing, man. I still can't even hardly grasp it. I can't. They were off to work during the day. And people from the city of Seattle, whoever they were, burnt down longhouses and what have you, dwellings. So these Indians who are off at work are going to come home, have a little dinner, you know, have a little bone game or whatever they're going to do, and their home is gone. It's burnt, forever gone. Then they get rustled out of town. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah, I did it. Now that stuff just gets under my skin so badly it drives me crazy. I work in Seattle, so I see all these buildings and dwellings and homes and what have you. And I just can't stop thinking about the fact that when law number five went into effect in the mid to early 1860s, man, that was only like a hundred years before I was born, man. In fact, if we look hard, I bet you we can find a home that's been around since that time. In fact, I'm going to look it up. No, not that early, but 1882, man. So just imagine, this home was built in 1882, and at that time, the American Indian was used as servants up here in a lot of the cases. They didn't have slavery up here, so it's not for uh, lack of trying, though. I'm going to tell you that right now. In fact, I believe I read somewhere where They tried to enslave the natives up this way, but they weren't going to have anything to do with that. They weren't having it. A lot of times what they would do is just run away or, in some cases, commit suicide. They'd much rather die by their own hands than be a slave to anybody. Anyway, that's just what I read. I think I read it. Sounds makes sense. Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, Seattle is a beautiful city and all. And these new buildings that I'm helping to build, the new homes, 100 years from now, there won't be stories about the American Indian anymore. So, whatever. What are your thoughts on the city named Indianapolis? Now, if you were living in Australia, China, Japan... Some other faraway land, far away, where maybe you don't have the strength of the internet, 
and you read about Indianapolis. Now, wouldn't you think that that must be a city full of Indians, man? There must be Indians everywhere. It's Annapolis. So that means a huge population or something, right? That's what I'm thinking. I never did like the Indianapolis Colts either, by the way. I think Peyton Manning was, yeah, he was all right. He was a pretty good quarterback. He always threw a duck, though. He didn't have a very good spiral. Had a pretty good record. Yeah, I'll give him that. Anyway, Indianapolis. So, I did a little bit of research on it, and I got some information I'd like to pass on to you and maybe give you some thoughts of how I feel about Indianapolis and even the state of Indiana. Now, just look at that word for just one second. Indiana. Every time I say it, I want to say Indian. Uh, what? Indiana. I know I sound like a tart sometimes, but no wonder the English language is the hardest fucking language to learn, man. Yeah, I'm going to start using a little bit of my normal vocabulary because I seem a little stifled. I feel a little held back, man. I was listening to a podcast the other day entitled The Pat Down with Pat. She's a comedian, and this woman, every other word is fuck or shit. She's a black woman who is very, 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 very vocal and opinionated, very intelligent, went through some hell in her life, wrote a book about it. Give it a chance. Listen to it. It's awesome. It's incredible. She will make you laugh. If you can get past every other word being the F-bomb, you'll laugh your ass off. But this woman has no filter and has no, uh, she's not hindered or anything by what she says. Funny, funny, funny. You can find it on the Apple Podcast app. But the funny thing about it is she lives in Indianapolis. That's right. That's where I got the idea of like Indianapolis. Hmm. I don't like that word. Doesn't sound right. Doesn't roll off the tongue very easily. Doesn't feel comfortable sliding off my tongue. So, I'm going to go ahead and have a look at that. So, up there around Indianapolis, Indiana, you had your Delaware Indians. You had your Miami Indians. The Mound Builders. The Piancasha. The Pato Watomi. The Shawnee. The Way. And the ever-famous Kickapoo tribes. Now, that's just a few. Imagine all the American Indians and Native peoples that were there when the white man came along. Now, Indianapolis, there was a native village. Pretty sure it was the Delaware. Now, why is the Delaware on the East Coast now? Why is there a state called Delaware? Is that where they sent the Indians from Indiana? Or did they send the Delaware to Indiana and then got to Indiana and said, ah, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take this land, too. Is that how that all played out? I'm going to have to look at that, too. I'm going to have to find out about that one. Now, I can't tell you what the population of the Indians were in Indianapolis in the year 2000. But according to the census, in the year 2000, the state of Indiana had themselves 39,000 Indians from 150 different tribes. Excuse me? 150 different tribes just in Indiana? 
Every time I read all these things, I just get more and more blown away, man. Can you only imagine, just imagine what this land looked like in Indiana in the year, let's say, I don't know, 1492. Let's just throw that number out there. Let's just have a look at that. All the American Indians in this country, let alone just Indiana, there must have just been like cities and villages. Villages, you could go from one village to the next. And if you're having war with one village, you just go around. You don't have to go through there, man. Just stick your, you know, mind your business, do your thing. There must have been millions of us. According to some, there was like 150 million American Indians on this continent back then. That's half of the population that we have in the United States right now, motherfuckers. So let's do a little bit of math on that. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to have 39,000 people divided by 150. That's 260 people per tribe, man. Really? Unbelievable. The decimation and the murder and the ethnic cleansing that was really starting to happen in the late 1700s. Because that's when the federal government went ahead and gave the territory of where Indiana is now four big plots of land said you're a state now congratulations what about all them Indians that were there man gonna kick them out gonna have these dumbass treaties these little treaties that don't mean shit they couldn't even understand what the fuck was being said they signed their name with an X okay but the government gave them get this fifteen thousand dollars for that land. What? You imagine when the cavalry and the government got together, the governor, maybe at the governor's house, or maybe back then it was just a tent because they didn't have buildings yet. Or covered wagons, man. They Maybe they rounded up the wagons and had a little speech. They're all high-fiving one another, saying, yeah, we just picked up all this land for 15 grand, man. High-fives. High-fives around. All my friends. Like a fucking used car salesman or something. I worked in sales before. It was a fucking joke. So I imagine they're all high-fiving one another saying, Well, we got this land now. They can get, they can skedaddle. And then the ones who didn't sign, who didn't want to sign, said, No, we're not going to sign. Eventually were murdered or pushed out or killed with disease or what have you. Starved out. Because that's when the government started making the American Indians dependent on them for survival. And most of them gave in because they didn't want their children to die. They wanted to have something, man. It's about being alive. That's the one thing in life that is our goal. And that is to survive. So when you're growing up having all these goals to do when you grow up, the most important fucking goal you should have is to survive. So that's what they had. That was their goal, man. That was their, they wanted to live. So they gave in. It's heartbreaking and heartbroken. I am. That's the way it fucking was, man. I wish I was alive back then. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm a little bit wound up, a little bit tight on this one. I'm probably going to get a little bit more agitated, a little bit more vocal, and a little more profane. Because I'm angry. Pissed off about this sort of thing. $15,000. I know, I know. Some of you are going to say, but Patman... That was 200 years ago, man. It's like comparing apples to oranges, bro. 
No, it's not. That $15,000 in today's money is worth, are you ready for this? $382,710. About a third of a million dollars is what uh, they were paid back in the day for the state of Indiana. Oh my goodness. Them were some rich Indians, weren't they? Yeah, it blows me away. I'm just torn, blown away. Cannot imagine. It just sickens me. A lot of the instructors in high school wondered why I wouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance or sing the songs like, This land is your land. This land is my land. Fuck that. And America the Beautiful. America. America. Fuck you. I don't know. Maybe I cuss too much. Maybe I curse a little too much. Y'all remember the first time you were caught cursing? When you were saying a bad word? Well, I was about five years old. I know I wasn't any more than six. So I had to be around five. See, in the house that I was growing up in, Eugene used to curse all the time. He would say, fuck, shit, god damn it. And he said that he was atheist. He didn't believe in God. But he would say, God damn it. Now how can you say that if you don't believe in God? You can't say that if you don't believe in God. Because when you say that, you believe in God. Because you want him to damn it. Anyway, so I get caught saying, damn, one time. I don't know what I was talking about. At least I didn't say fuck or shit or fuck shit fuck, you know? So my mom says, what did you say? And of course me, I was a little puss. I'm like, I don't know. Did you curse? Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's because I've been hearing it from everybody else, but you know, you, you got to be a dumb little kid, right? can't smart back. You can't say, I said it because you say it, man. You know? Oh, no. Then that's an ass whooping. Eugene was there, so he says, okay, son. Okay, boy. I want you to come into the bathroom with me. I thought I was going to get an ass whooping. I thought I was going to get whooped. Back then in that day, his way was to have us bend over the bathtubs or asses in the air and give us some wax. Whatever. So he closes the door. And there's a bar of ivory soap. I distinctly remember ivory soap. That's what everybody used back in the day. It wasn't dial. It was ivory. And I remember it was almost a fresh, brand new bar. In fact, he might have opened it. And he says to me, Now what I want you to do is you can't cuss like that. You can't use those words. Those words are bad. In my mind, I'm like, well, why are you doing it? Why are you saying that? That's the way my brain was working. It's like, well, okay, whatever. So he says to me, I want you to take a lick of this bar of soap and I want you to think about what you said and don't say it anymore. I'm standing there, I'm looking at him like, all right, whatever. So he hands me the bar of soap and I proceed to take a big fucking bite right out of the corner of that bar of soap and I spit it out into the tub. And he said, what the fuck? I told you to take a lick off it. Why'd you take a bite? Didn't say anything. And he was mad. He was like, now what? Now we got, now, 
I think I freaked him out a little bit. He wasn't expecting that. He wasn't expecting the little defiant Indian boy to basically say, fuck you. It was funny. You know, that was a long time ago, man, 50-some years ago, and I can still remember it like yesterday. And I also remember washing my hands for about the next week and a half, two weeks. Every time I saw that bar of soap, I saw a big corner that had a big old bite out of it, just like an apple. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I didn't curse around my parents anymore, but I did curse around with all my friends. Whenever we got together, hanging out with the friends, because, you know, all our parents did it. And that's the thing that I've always thought about in my life. If I didn't want my kids to do stuff, then I shouldn't do it around them. I should not drink, smoke cigarettes, smoke weed, use foul language, because them little fuckers are going to do the same thing I'm doing. Right? And when I think back to when I'm five years old, my mother was only 27. So she was really a kid herself. And Gene was a kid. He was 25, 26. He was younger than her by a couple years. The fact of the matter is, they were kids too. But you remember when you were a little child and how old your parents seemed to be? How old they were? Now just think about it now. As an adult, you have children. They're looking at you like you're an old motherfucker. But they're also looking up to you, and they're going to do whatever you do. Because you're doing it must be okay. I remember one time my mother, it was a summertime, it was hot. She was on one of her drunk days. And we were over at some friends of hers' house, and they're all drinking, and they're all partying. And it's me and my sister there. And mom was really getting drunk, and the, the man and the woman, they were white people, I don't know their name. They're like, okay, well, it's time to go now. We got to get up and go to work tomorrow. And mom's sitting there drunk saying, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. And they're like, well, you have to leave because we need to shut her down. Okay, party's over, Patty. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere, she says. And my sister and myself were looking. We're like getting kind of scared, you know, five, six years old. I think Gene wasn't in the picture yet. He might have been, but he might have been doing his own thing, whatever. And they're starting to grab mom, and they're like, come on, you got to go. And mom doesn't want to leave. So she proceeds to sit on the floor, and the woman grabs my mom's arm, and she starts to pull her. My mom leans down, and she grabs the table leg, and then she grabs the other table leg, and they start dragging her across the floor, and she's trying to kick and scream and say, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? What's wrong with this picture, man? There's something wrong. Of course, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. But eventually they get mom outside and she she's crying and weeping and we're walking home. We were only four or five blocks from the house, I guess. It was the summertime. It was hot. Mom was dressed in her little short shorts, I guess. And we get to the house and she's still crying and I'm sitting on her lap and she's asking my sister and myself to promise that we'll never drink we'll never drink alcohol i'm five six years old whatever and i'm promising her this i remember like yesterday i'm promising her i'll never drink alcohol mom i promise and within 10 years mom's handed me weed cigarettes and beer saying it's okay son you can party we become products of our environment. We become products of what we grow up with and what we see. 
Some of us can manage to get out of it. Some of us can't. Luckily for me, I'm still alive. I don't know. Gotta be a reason. The creator has something in store for Patman. Don't know what it is. But I saw a guy I grew up with on television the other night. He's a detective up in the town where I grew up. They had a special on TV where there was a young woman who was murdered back in 1989 in Acme, Washington. And it took him 30 years to solve the case with DNA. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about DNA next time or sometime down the road, but oh my God, some heavy, heavy stuff, man. Apparently, there's a guy that was on Joe Rogan the other day. He can look at your profile, and if there's certain marks on it, certain things on there, or certain letters and shit and numbers or whatever, he can kind of figure out when you're going to die. Wow. Pretty amazing shit. In fact, one day he's saying that he can reverse aging, and one day you might be 80 years old but have the body of a 30-year-old. Could you imagine having that kind of knowledge, being 80 years old, with the body of a 30-year-old still on the fucking job, man. All that knowledge. What about overpopulation? People start living too long, we're going to have too many people. And what's going to happen? There's going to be wars. Because that's what happens when people get hungry and there's too many people around. You start having wars, man. Anyway, I'm watching this special, and this guy comes up on the screen. is Detective So-and-So. And this guy... I knew since I was like four and five. In fact, he was Eugene's nephew, his sister's son. So we grew up together and graduated from the same high school the same year, Mount Baker High School. Yeah. So I see him on TV, and he's a fucking detective. And I remember growing up with him, he was always saying that he's going to be a cop. That's what he got to be, a cop. And that goes back to the environment that we grow up in, the product of our environment. See, this kid grew up pretty well off. Not great, but pretty comfortable. His dad was a fisherman. You know, per saners. Go up to Alaska. Catch $150,000, $200,000 worth of fish in a couple of weeks or a couple of months back then. You're pretty good, you know? Pretty good. So he grows up and gets to be the cop that he always wanted to be. Now he's a detective, and I think it's fucking great. I think it's wonderful. I'm always interested in what happened to people that I knew when I was a kid growing up. How many of them are dead? How many are alive and well? How many are stuck in addiction? Drinking? Whatever. Prison. I'm always curious about that. I bet you most of them think that I'm dead. Yeah. I was voted least likely to live in my senior year of high school. Yeah. Pretty funny shit, right? Yeah, it's not that funny. Not that funny, man. But I did live. And here I am. Needless to say, we all take different paths. We all take different journeys, man. Our river of life ain't the same, bro. So all them people that succeeded in their lives, congratulations. Happy for you. I've succeeded. I'm a success. I'm alive. Okay? My biggest regret in my life was leaving Gene's house just because I was a little lonely and missed my family. Oh, sure. He was a racist, an alcoholic, an abuser. And all those things. But I was still better off there than I was living with my mother. That's sad to say, but true. That's always been the biggest regret in my life. What regrets do you have? Anyway, enough of that. That's pretty much the end of my podcast 
for this week. I missed you last week. This weekend, the Seattle Seahawks are playing the Nolan Saints here in town. Saints don't have Drew Brees, but still going to be a tough game. And did you see where Antonio Brown got kicked out of New England? Yeah, big fat turd that he is. Doesn't pay his bills, man. And he takes advantage of women. Molestation, whatever, he's just a weirdo. So, yeah, he shouldn't be in the National Football League till he squares away his business. All right? Well, I got a little story about work. Um, I'm kind of working on it right now. I don't know really how to tell the story because it's pretty intensive, man. It's about uh, safety and engineering and who to tell and who not to tell and who to lie to and who not to lie to. See, my superintendent wants me to lie to these engineers and he told me to lie to the inspectors. I can't do that. No, no, no. Not when it comes to something as serious as this. I'll tell you guys about that next time. Y'all have a great weekend. I am you, Winton. Peace.